Well, the great eschatological persecution has begun. Um, Christians said to drive to church in the rain. That, uh, that is it. That's the biggie. Um, guys, we are studying uh, the Apostles' Creed, if in case you didn't know. Um, we're early on. Um, we're really at the first two words, which uh, the Apostles' Creed opened with an, an assertion. An assertion that refers to faith. It, it, it's, it opens with, with the words, I believe. And last week we talked about um, the intellect and faith and how it's not to be set aside. But then I closed, as you may recall, at least I hope you do, I closed by saying, with with a warning. Um, My my warning was faith does not equal intellectual assent. Uh, It does not uh, ask us to set aside the intellect. But it is uh, not intellectual assent merely. It involves intellectual uh, exercise and assent, but it is more than that, um, more than simply an exercise of one's um, intellectual capacity. Uh, Folks, that is the message of James chapter 2 that we'll look at uh, later on tonight. But um, otherwise, that, that gets us going. That um, faith is uh, does involve one the exercise of one intellect, but it is more than that. Now, um, and I've done this up here before um, in in evangelical circles, saving faith is defined as existing or having three component parts. Um, the first component part is what we call. Um, what do I do now? Um, <laughs> this thing is the bane of my existence. <clears throat> Just get me a large grease board and and um, you know and I'll write bigger. <clears throat> it's it. <clears throat> it's locked out. <clears throat> is is it over? Okay. All right, guys. Uh, uh, saving faith. In evangelical circles, it's defined as having three component parts. The first component part is what it, it was historically called noitia, N-O-I-T-I-A. It's a Latin term which means knowledge. That's the first level. That is, um, that, uh, that, that saving faith begins with the possession of a certain amount of information. It's called knowledge or noitia. The second component part is this one that we, are, we talked about last week. It's called a census, um, um, A-S-S-E-N-S-U-S. It's another Latin term, which means assent. That is an intellectual grasp of the knowledge that I have and the assent or assenting to the fact that that knowledge is true knowledge. Okay? Um, look at there. We have um, noitia, which is knowledge, and we have a census, um, which is... Um, Ascent. I mean, doesn't that help? Uh, <laughs> and I mean, guys, I'm in a hurry. Um, uh, um, but but the last component part, which we have not yet gotten to, is what's called fiducia or trust. That is, I know certain things about uh, uh, the the facts of the gospel that that there was this historic 
human being uh, whose name was Christ and he died and was crucified outside of Jerusalem in XYZ year. Uh, that's knowledge, and then I assent to those, those uh, facts as being true facts. But, the, um, it, but guys, this is as far as the devil goes. I mean, he goes to here. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and tremble. You know that text. It's James 2.19. Um, just knowing things about the Christian church and believing that they are true is not saving faith. It's not the faith that is being um, exercised when we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty and the Apostles' Creed. Okay? There's this third component part, this thing called fiducia, where I trust and I lean and I... Um, uh, throw all of my weight and my hope on these things that I assent to be true. Now, that said, which is something I've already put up there three or four times over the course, uh, over the course of years, I would suggest to you that there is more. I'm saying that this has been the historical evangelical position, but I suggest to you that there is more. And I want to tell you a story to illustrate it. Um, it's a story about my hero, <laughs> R.C. Sproul. Um, and when he died on December the 14th, um, there was a, a memorial edition of Table Talk put out. Maybe some of you got it. Um, it was all these testimonies from luminaries across the Christian church that were sharing things about R.C. and his, who he was and how important he was to them, et cetera, et cetera. Well, one of those luminaries was John Piper that wrote an article in this memorial edition of, the, um, of Table Talk to, to um, not celebrate, but to memorialize the death of R.C. So John Piper tells this story that uh, R.C. had invited John Piper to one of his ligonard conferences in Orlando, Florida. Um, R.C. was to speak, and John Piper was to follow R.C. And R.C. was, um, was uh, his lecture was on faith, okay? And R.C. used this three-pronged definition of saving faith, these three-component parts. And to illustrate this last part called fiducia, he used an illustration that many of you have seen on numerous occasions. I bet you have. You know, the chair. You know, this is, a, um, this is an illustration that R.C. was using to illustrate this part of saving faith, okay? He's talking about, he uses the chair. I remember using a chair, not like this one, but used the same illustration in Budapest, Hungary, probably... Ten years ago or so, but do you remember that? Little church in Budapest that we preached at. Anyway, I pulled a chair up there. Well, R.C. did the same thing. I learned it from R.C. <laughs> uh, I learned everything from R.C. But um, you know what this is all about. You know, um, saving faith is not the ascent that this is a chair. It looks like a chair. It's got four legs like a chair. It's padded like a chair. It's formed like a chair. It's shaped like a chair. I think it's a chair. <clears throat> and I ascent to the... Um, the obvious information in front of me that this is a chair. 
but I have not trusted this chair to hold me up until I sit in it. And I, I, I rest all of my overweightness into this chair to hold me up. Okay, it's a chair, I believe it's a chair, but I have not exercised this part of saving faith until I have sat down in the chair and trusted it to support me. Okay, you've heard that before. I am comforted by the fact that R.C. used this illustration not too long ago. Um, I'm saying there's more. And by the way, it was Piper who said it first. But. So R.C. has this lecture on faith. Talks about the three component parts. To illustrate this last component part, he uses a chair. John Piper then follows him. He's the next lecturer, and he, of course, had heard R.C.'s lecture. And he says to the Ligonier audience, I believe that there's more than what R.C. told you. Now, R.C.'s listening in the green room. That's intimidating enough. But he says, you have to love the chair. You have to think the chair is beautiful. It's not, it's not simply enough to sit in the chair. I've, I've got to love the chair. Um... I've got to think that the chair is full of beauty. He finished his lecture. He's um, on a tight schedule, Piper is. He's trying to grab a car to get out to the airport so he can fly home. And he runs into R.C. in the hall. And R.C. says to him, John, I love that chair. (laughs) And what John Piper was saying is, you know, he could have been miffed. He could have been saying, well, you don't stand in my conference and, you know, uh, disagree with me, you know. But he didn't. And that that was the point that he was making. But Piper is making a good point, ladies and gentlemen. Saving faith is not just having these nice little three-component parts down. You've got to love the chair. You've got to think this chair is beautiful. You've got to embrace this chair. And so that's the, the other thing to add. I've got to love the chair. Do you love the chair? Because that, ladies and gentlemen, is saving faith. I know about the facts. I ascend to the truth of those facts. I'm resting all of my weight, the weight of my soul on the provisions of Christ, that chair, and I love that chair.
Um, I think that chair is precious. That's saving faith, ladies and gentlemen. Now, um, just to add to that a bit, guys, um, <clears throat> so there's your definition, okay? Which is, I think, a very simple and forthright and easy-to-get definition. But the differentiation between that which is real and authentic and that which is inauthentic, the proof that you got hold of the real is works. It's obedience. Gang, do you know the historical um, fight that, um, that Martin Luther had with James II? You know, originally, Martin Luther said that the book of James was an epistle of straw. And he did not want to see it included in the New Testament. And he did not like the epistle of James because of chapter 2. You remember what chapter 2 was, or is, don't you? It's, um, it's that little section in there where the man shows up on the doorstep and, and he's, um, um, he's unclothed and, and he's hungry. And, um, and we say to him, be warm, be filled, be fed. And then we close the door. Um, and and um, James says, how does faith, how is it demonstrated in that? But then he goes on to use the example of Abraham. And that Abraham demonstrated that he loved the chair by his willingness to sacrifice his son. Guys, the the differentiating earmark of the real and the unreal, the authentic and the inauthentic is a demonstration of obedience or works, however you like to say that. There is nothing saving about those works. There is nothing meritorious about those works. But those works are the Evidence that what I have, that I love the chair. Now, guys, stay with me because this is a this is a uh, this is a theological distinction that I know that you abominate. But, folks, um, I just said something. This is going to sound like it contradicts it. Those good works do not prove. Reality. Mormons have lots of good works. But when the real is present, good works will inevitably follow. Obedience is the fruit of faith. Jesus says it several times, but 
he says this in John 14. If you love me, if you love the chair, you will keep my commandments. Do you love the chair? Well, the evidence that you do is that you will keep his commandments. Now, do you see the, the line of demarcation here, ladies and gentlemen, because it's somewhat sl- slender? Just because I have certain obediences in my life does not prove that I have the real. Mormons put us to shame in a lot of ways. But if I have the real, that, um, that obedience will inevitably follow my having fallen in love with the chair. Let me do it one more way, and then I'll try to wrap it up with a sentence. Guys, I've done this several times before, too. There are three words. That, there are three theological words in the in the Christian church that every everybody in this room ought to know by now, and you ought to be able to define these three. They are the terms justification, sanctification, glorification. Um, justification and glorification. Glorification is when I go to heaven. All right, we sing a song. It's in our hymnal. Oh, that will be glory for me, glory for me, glory for me. When my grace I shall see a look on his face. That will be glory, be glory for me. Glorification. That's when I go to heaven, all right? And let's say that um, for me that's going to happen in 2019. <clears throat> the, the time is short. Um, this, is, this is kind of... Uh, I better not take your time. Um, that's glorification, folks, okay? Now, it's more than my going to heaven, but it's not less than. But my spiritual life started on September the 10th of 1970 when I was justified, okay? Justification, glorification. Uh, this, is an, this is an act this is a moment. I'm no more justified, uh, you know, the 45 year, 48 years later than I was justified on September the 10th of 1970. Justification is an act of free grace where God declares the guilty forgiven based on the merits of the finished work of Jesus Christ. But here's the point, ladies and gentlemen. Justification is not the end of my Christian life. The thing that now occurs is this thing. It inevitably follows this thing. This thing proves that I have this thing. And if I don't have this thing, that means I don't have that thing. Which means I won't be to have this thing. Justification, yes indeed, is the, is the great entry into the family of God. It is this, is this thing that joins us, places us into a union with Jesus Christ. Yes, 
But it doesn't stop there. Justification is the beginning of the Christian life, not the end. You got to get that. Because you see, this is the thing that proves the reality of this thing. See how those related? This thing here is the proof that I love the chair. If you love me, says Jesus, you keep my commandments. And if those commandments are onerous for you, something's amiss. Something's seriously amiss. John, later on in his epistle, says, uh, and this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. No, 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 those commandments are just, or my effort to keep those commandments are just proof, or just efforts on my part to show that I love the chair. I'm not just hiding away in the chair so that somebody will stick a ticket to heaven in my pocket and spray me with a coat of asbestos. I'm, 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 I love that chair. And I love that what he has to say, and I love the, the, the rules that he issues, and and, and I believe that obeying those rules will make my life all the better, not all the drearier. Guys, I'm going to say it one more time. This is not the end. This is the beginning. And it happens in a snapshot. It happens in an in an instant. But the rest of this takes place in a lifetime. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is simply the proof of this. So, um, you make a claim to love the chair? And I hope you do. Um, but if you love the chair, where do you find yourself on this spectrum? Because you've got to be on here somewhere. I'm not saying how, how fast the pace will go. I mean, for me, um, you know, uh, I've traveled only this far in my 48 years as a Christian. But now for Ed Scanlon there, I mean, he's, he's traveled way up here. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about pace, but I am saying some of this has got to be evident. It's got to be present. What is there in your life tonight that is there and that the only way you can explain it is because I'm in a saving relationship with the God who made me. What is it that's there? Just because I think that's such a horrible question. Um, I mean, it's horribly searching. Let me, let, me, let me soften it. Because I do have people ask me probably 15 times a year, about their own soul's quietude. So let me offer you this real quick, and then I'll get back to this. Do you love this book? I I didn't ask, are you perfectly loving your wife as Christ loved the church? Because you're not. None of us are. 
Uh, I didn't ask you if you've completely mortified all sin. I'm asking you, do you love this book? Because if you can say yes to that, I've got some real good news for you. I think it's good news. Where do you think you got that love for this book? Where'd that come from? The world despises this book. It mocks this book. I, it, and when I'm in Baku, you, there's no television. There's no anything. And so I looked at, you know, YouTubes several times. Of course, when my wife was napping. Um, just a joke here. Um, but this Bill Mayer, is that his name? Is that how to say it? Mar? He just, he, he disdains this. And you who believe it. Do you believe it? Do you love this book? I'm telling you, if you do, you got that love because God the Holy Spirit is residing within you. You may have not made it very far up this spectrum towards heaven, but that love of that book in there, that's a proof that I love the chair. Now, um, let, me, let me give you kind of a, a summary statement about this whole opening two words of the Apostles' Creed. Um, I'm saying that all I've taught you in these two weeks is reflected in those two words, I believe. It's not, it, is, it is not death to the intellect, but it is far more than the intellect. It is a trust, but it's also loving the chair. That's what, that's what genuine saving faith is like. Now, um, this is a, I think, as succinct as I can put it, um, faith has a content that fills the mind. It fills the mind and grasps the heart. That is, the content, having filled the mind, then grasps the heart. It takes hold of the heart to the end that a qualitatively different life is the result. That is, that is just, I just think that's thrilling. May I say it again? The faith that we, that we are after is one that has a content that we're going to look at that's recorded in the Apostles' Creed. It has a content that fills the mind. That content having filled the mind then goes on to grasp the heart. And that heart being grasped by the content filling the mind results in a qualitatively different life. That's what we mean when we say, I believe. I am one who has been overtaken by the beauty of some content Overtaken to the point that my heart belongs yieldedly to the content and the person who gave me the content and the proof that I embrace that content is a life that is qualitatively different than the one that I lived before. Expressed in all kinds of degrees. Uh, 
various degrees among different Christian people for all kinds of different reasons. Folks, that's what we mean when we say we believe. We've got knowledge, a knowledge that I have that I have come to love, that I have sent to be true, a knowledge that I flung myself at as the as the grounds of my eternal hope. And it has enraptured. It has taken charge of my heart. That truth is the foremost truth of all truth that I have. And the evidence that it has grasped my heart is that my life has changed. Little by little, but it's changed. Hope you can say that tonight and when we stand uh, in a month and say, I believe, just know that's what you're saying. Let's quit. Our Father, um, we are a room full of people who love that chair. You have given us eyes to see something that the world absolutely despises. The idea that a blood-soaked Savior could deliver us from our sin is a, is a message despised by so many. But we love it. Oh, we love that chair. And um, we are sorry that the, our lives have not changed more than they have. But grant us grace as we become more aware of the beauty of the gospel. Uh, grant us grace to fall more deeply in love with the chair. Our Father, um, for the soul that aches tonight, I pray that you will comfort them with the, the warmth of the gospel, reminding us all that though um, this world be filled with devils, which it is, they will not. They will not prevail because one little word will fell them. The chair. Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, Father, um, give us sweetness of time together. Might our enjoyment of the community of the, of the redeemed be rich and meaningful and deep tonight. Might we go home full with the great news that, we, um, that we're reconciled to the God who made us. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.